family. Ease up. Greetings, family. Greetings, my friends. Welcome in to yet another edition here of Jawworks Radio. My name is D. Rowe, and we got a very special, exciting show lined up for the family tonight. We're back to our reasoning series. It's been several months since we've done a straight reasoning series. So, yeah, this is Jawworks Radio Reasoning Series coming to you and yours. You know, brought to the family this week by 44parallelsuperfoods.com. And we, as always, we got you covered, you know, for the healing chaga and the healing maca. And we have been going in on the chaga and the maca right now, family. And I found some chaga in the last week that is going to keep us going all winter, my family, I promise. So, yeah, please hit us up, you know, 44parallelsuperfoods.com. Maca's in store, maca's in stock and going hot on fire, you know, right now. So time to boost up. Family, once again, this is Jowworks Radio. My name is D. Rowe, and uh, got a, got a couple special guests with us tonight. As I mentioned, we got the Reasoning Series with Lester Loving is going to be our special guest tonight. But before we bring in Lester, want to bring in our good brethren and co-host, Mr. Rossi. Rossi, greetings, my brother. Greetings, D. Rowe. Greetings, Baba. Greetings, family. Yes. And we coming in with style, with style Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we came in with that stylistics. That was fire. Yo, Ross, man, uh, we should we should pick up those youths, man, that came on Bev's show the other night. Oh, man, yes, most definitely, D-Row. Thank you for that. And, uh, yes, I want to pick up uh, Miss Beverly D's grandson out there in Cali, uh, Mr. Uh, Martin. And uh, and also uh, Lady G, Lyric, we call her, her son, St. Rose, and his crew out of Ohio. They lit the airways on fire. We want to big them up and make sure to let them know that we appreciate them and they were heard all over the world. And we actually want to do some projects with these brothers in the future. And so, uh, yes, D-Roll, most definitely. And also uh, the Womack family, you know, Binky Womack out there putting in the work keeping the Womack legend going, the Womack sisters and Sam Cook's fam and the Mary Wells legendary family. And man, they all working together. And I'm telling you, D-Roll, man, we're riding this lion's mane. And as as Baba tell us, it's the lion's domain. So yes, brother, (laughs) thank you very much. We got to keep bigging up the youth, you know? Yes, man, no doubt. And we can't forget about King, King Lem, <laughs> King Lemuel also. You know, oh, man. King Lemuel in the, in, the, in the Virgin Islands, the last virgin. Yeah. Out there in Culebra, out there diving with the sea turtles and the stingrays and all the majestic world of the underwater world. Big up, King Lemuel. Big up yourself. Yes, man. So, uh, yeah, family, just a few days ago, we had one of the uh, super fire show, you know, on Bev, Bev D's show uh, with all these youths. So definitely recommend everybody to head over there. Check it out. Truth to Power uh, with that with the youth and music, you know, uh, creative music was the name of the show. But without further ado, family, we got back. So excited to have back Mr. Lester Loving, our resident scientist and uh, just a all around excellent, you know, just a, a Really super honored to have you back on the show, Lester. So thanks for coming back on. It is my pleasure, and I'm ready to spread all around the world for the fun. 
Yes, man. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Oh man, Lester! Before we got on tonight, you were you were dropping a lot of a lot of gems on us. You know, I want to I want to kind of rewind and, and bring back some of that stuff. So let's talk about where we where we sit right now. We thought we always do like a weather report with you. We can start with that, and we can just lead into what you were talking about with you know where we stand uh, within our relationship with the sun right now. Absolutely. Okay. Well, the first thing I love the fact that you said the weather report. Um, the, the the fact is is that this is the first day of the second half of summer. In other words, you know, the first forty five or forty six days of summer. You know, go from uh, June the twenty first until now august the second and so august the third is when you know when we go into that second half of the summer and it's very ironic and cosmic that the earth is closest to the sun on january the second and therefore if the Earth was traveling in a circle, a three, three, 360 circle around the sun, then mathematically, we'd be farthest from the sun on July the 2nd. But because we travel in an elliptical or egg-shaped like journey around the sun, then we're farthest from the sun on August the 2nd. So... From what my from what my ancient teachers have have shown me is that January the second is when we're seated with what our soul wants us to do during that next year, and then August the second is when those seeds actually start to sprout. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that oh no they woke up on August the first. Because every seed goes in the opposite direction to its its light source first. It has to anchor itself with the root. Right, brethren? Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what I'm saying is it might be June the 1st or July the 1st when that root goes, that tap root goes down. But it comes back. It comes out. What we can see, what we physically can see, the manifestation of happens around August the first or second. And, 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 and what, wait a minute. The point is, what our soul is here to do, that starts to come up on August the first or second. And what I was also saying to you, brethren, is the fact that we're in this calendar or calendular understanding where we have the you know, winter solstice and um, <clears throat> and the summer solstice and the spring equinox and the alternative or the fall equinox um, and all all those all those expressions have been eternal it's just that because our sun doesn't exactly go 360 every day, we regress back. 
the ultimate the ultimate understanding of this is that uh, when we had you know the, the very halfway points between the the things we celebrate from the sky now. So we look at the equinoxes and um, the solstices, but those halfway points, um, you've got the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. That's Groundhog Day. We've got the halfway point between um, the winter solstice and the eternal equinox. That's Halloween. We've got the halfway point between Halloween and the spring equinox. That's May Day and the Maypole. And most people might be shocked in their booty, you know, they're rubbing their booty from realizing that the Maypole, which people of my generation went to school and dressed up and did this whole dance around this thing. Well, the maypole actually comes from ancient Egypt. And it, 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 and it, it tells us, because the ritual goes on May the 1st or May the 2nd in, in our culture, but that was, that was when they were saying, oh, that's, that's the beginning of spring. And that leads me to the, the ultimate conclusion that that halfway point between the summer solstice and the fall equinox is August the 2nd, which is this time period. Mm-hmm. So the Egyptians or the Kimites said that this is the height of summer. And they didn't mean the height of growing the food. They meant the height of the soul knowledge coming out. And that's all, all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was worth the wait <laughs> for that. Oh man! All right. Well, so let me. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that if we want to look at this thing, we have to look at this. We have to look at this information from a fourth dimensional lens. You know, because mm. people keep reminding people keep reminding me of like, oh well we're in the third we're in the third dimension. I'm like, Negro, please. We're in the <laughs> fourth dimension because the fourth dimension from everything that everybody's told us is time. As soon as there's mo- as soon as there's movement, there's time. And it's not, it's not like time is a thing. Time is an observation of movement. And movement is only necessary to, I figure out who I am. <laughs> then it's over. Okay. Wow, but I like that. What I, what I, what I, no, what, what, what I am saying, regardless of how facetious it sounds, what I am saying is, is that our ancestors observed the heavens. And they looked up there, they thought observation of the heavens was at least as important as 
our observation of the physical world down here, the terrestrial world. And if you look at the at the Greek word disaster, the word disaster comes two words, dis and astra. And disaster means away from the stars. When I don't pay attention to what's out there, then I'm less prepared for what's happening down here. Mm, wow. Man, that's literally powerful. what <laughs> You know, like people are like, oh, yeah, bro, you like, you know, you metaphor. Like, no, that's what your people believed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we are, August 3rd, right? This is the first day of the second half yeah. of the. Of the of the the height of the summer, as you say, um, how does that relate to how does that relate to magnetism, you know, and and just how it, how it's affected by the sun? Because I'm thinking, okay, if this is what you were saying, we're the furthest from the sun. How does that relate to right. magnetism? How does that affect the magnetism of the Earth right now, or does it? Okay, that that the magnetism of the sun is. Uh, it, it, the magnetic field that the sun emanates goes the entire length of our solar system. So it goes beyond Pluto um, out into uh, the, the edge of the galaxy. The, uh, the edge of the interface of, of how we inter, interact with the galaxy. So, what that mean? What that means is that the sun goes through an eleven-year cycle where magnetic fields build up and then emit out, and then they quiet down and they reorganize. And according to what we've been able to collect as far as information for the last 200 years or more than that you know every time the sun has been in the quiet period of this of the, of the magnetic um, field energy you know we've had um, Well, we've we've had you know viruses and bugs and and whatever, uh, but they've been they've been able to be maintained or stabilized by the fact that the Earth and our entire solar system is the magnetic field is being reorganized. So okay, so this is a long-winded way of saying that a couple of things are happening that are very interesting to our observation. One is that the sun has not reorganized the solar field or the magnetic field yet. And therefore, this tells us there's a reorganization. Or in other words, we're not going to be doing the same crap that we've been doing. So we have to be patient because if we're going to replace one negative system, 
with a positive system, then it's going to take us a amount of time not to install it, but for us to get mentally used to it. And that's the, that is that is the answer that I would give in terms of what's happening with magnetism. Magnetism is, is much more than what we've been told in school. Magnetism, according to what I learned in school, was that you know, you put a magnet next to a, a, an object that has iron in it, and that iron will react to that magnet, and it will be attracted to it, and it will organize the other things. It made sense. Since that time, we've learned that there's two other types of magnetism. And in certain cases, when elements get close enough to an organized magnetic field, then they will become magnetic temporarily as long as they're close to that, that magnetic field. The opposite is also true. There are certain elements, and I, I refer to the elemental table, there are certain elements that when they come in contact with that magnetic field, so if my magnet is facing north or projecting the North Pole, they will flip to the South Pole. And the fact that the the sun has not organized this magnetic field, and therefore that means the earth can't organize this magnetic field. Well, if I was a virus such as COVID, then I'd be like, well, this is the best time for me to develop. So we have to understand, we have to come into a living understanding, not about the COVID, fuck that. We have to come into an understanding <laughs> of what magnetism is, yeah, and and how it functions. And guess what? Magnetism is the governing energy over the immune system. Wow! Oh, let me let me remove my my boot from your butt. And I'm going to repeat <laughs> that again. Magnetism. <laughs> <laughs> is the governing energy over the immune system. And as much as people want to make fun of these so-called hippie types or, you know, freely people, you know, earthing is a real thing. You take off the shoes. You take off the socks. And you walk on the ground and we're talking about all the spiritual stuff. I'm like, no, I don't want to hear about spiritual stuff. It's magnetism. That is the most spiritual stuff you, we need to study. And so that's what I'm saying in terms of the magnetic connection. This whole virus has allowed us to spend the time to actually go back to not source, Magnetism is a physical thing, and therefore it can't be source. But it is the most organizing force, you know, in the physical world. And therefore it tells us that it has a correspondence beyond the physical world. Man, okay. That's heavy. So, okay, so here we are. Like, So what you're saying is that we need to tap into that magnetism right now because that's going to be a, that's going to be the key to our success. 
in terms of immunity, not only immune, not in our immune system. Uh, but, uh, okay. No, no, no. You have pointed out, you have pointed out that I have to go further. It's not just significant or healthy to tap into the magnetism. We have to increase the magnetic field. And mm. that's simple. We have to make ourselves vibrate, or not just vibrate, but spin faster. Because the faster they spin, the more effectively they spin, then the greater our field will be outside of the body. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Our, my energy only extends as far as my skin. There's never been that moment. That's called death. Okay. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so it's up to us to figure out how to spin ourselves more efficiently. Because the faster something spins, the greater the magnetic field. Ho! <laughs> Yo, uh, Eric, are you with us? Yeah, and, and when you call that a when you call that a gravity wheel, a, a, a spinning vortex, yeah, that's like yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Wow. Well, see, okay. once again, well, once, once again, once again, my brother, I'm gonna let you speak, but what I would call that is the heart. <laughs> yes, yes, a torsion field. Because, that's right. Yeah, a yeah, donut. yeah, that's right. Come on. I mean, you know, can my brothers let us know the heart was the most significant player? Not because it was, you know, better than anybody else. It's just the organizing field. It is constantly reversing this magnetic field. And it's also the first organ to grow within the, you know, the, the, the embryo. Yeah, that 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 reminds me of uh, Buckminster Fuller, the Fullerene. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's yeah. The, um, go ahead, Bob. Look, look the, Buck, the Buck Fullerene is 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 the um, is the. I'm just gonna say what I was gonna say. It's the origin of uh, us understanding how significant the. Uh, uh, what's that stuff from Russia called? The um, oh shoot, um, it'll come to you. Well, yeah, no, no but the, the stuff that comes from Russia. Anyway, anyway, carbon, the fullerene is a is a sixty-sided um, shape. But it's the fundamental it's the fundamental shape of 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 life creating being. And what the brothers referring to is the fact that our understanding of this creation, of this shape, it, you know, is significant because it, it, it incorporates both the five-sided shape of the pentagon, the 60-sided, the 60-degree pentagon, well, the equal, the equal angle pentagon, but also the equal hexagon. It's that mixture between those two that make the buck for the ring. 
and uh, just in, just in a sidebar, <laughs> just just so we don't just so we don't maintain our egoness and get blunted over the head. Everything in our universe that we can recognize as having either carried life or about to carry life has something to do with carbon. That does not mean that everything in our universe is a carbon-based life form. But what it means is that's the one that's most familiar to us. However, we get lessons every once in a while from the universe to keep our mother-sucking brainwave open. And one of those examples is when these meteorites come from outer space, they come from actually out of our out of our solar system, but they they zoom in at these weird angles, and every once in a while, we're at the exact right moment where these things will come into our atmosphere, and when they come into our atmosphere, they're one type of carbon, but because of the extreme heat and pressure. They go from being a tetrahedronal shape, and you don't have to know what that means. It just means a four-sided or you know a four-sided, you know a four-faced energy to a six-faced energy. So the actual pressure and heat transform this thing into another type of carbon. And guess what we call those things? Oh, time out. <laughs> those are called space diamonds. Because the only way that those diamonds can form is under pressure that takes extreme heat. And what they don't say to me when I go to science school, all that time of extreme cold to prepare for that heat. But if you ever find a meteorite and it's got the space diamonds in it, uh, I'll be joining you into Cabana drinking the Mai Tai because we will not work ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. Baba, what about these uh, thousand earthquakes in Yellowstone in one month? One thousand earthquakes in a month. I know, bro, bro. Look, look. You know, we're talking about the super volcano effect, which is which, which is ultimately to remind us that hey, this is nature. You know. you know, nature has its own time period. Uh, okay. Let me get to the point here. People always worry about things. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, these things have time schedules. So let's examine how long it takes for the super volcano from Yellowstone to happen. You know, and some people say 300,000 years or 600,000 years. Whatever the number is, 
when was the last time it happened? And therefore, you know, if we have evidence that it happens every 300,000 years, we can look back 600,000 years and 900,000 years and 1,200,000. You understand what I'm saying? We can see a pattern. That's what science is. is It's not understanding how to control something. We don't control jack. But we can see patterns. And the last time I studied this, because I'm yawning at this at this point, uh, the last time I studied this was in, it was in the 80s. Um, we were overdue for an eruption. <laughs> Same pattern. 300,000 years later, it's either 300 or 600, but it's, over, it's time for that to happen again. Now, it just so happens that anybody that watches conventional TV in the last Five years, they showed that the you know they have all these uh, seismic m- m- measurement things that they put in the ground a long time ago, and the southern end of Yellowstone is tilting up, and the and the you know, southern so the northern part is tilting down. That only happens when the bathyolith or the or the, the bathtub underneath the volcano is filling up with lava. <laughs> so, once again, you notice I didn't know, I didn't say anything about I, I channeled any of this information. I just got this from what the regular scientist said. I'm counting the information when it's like, move your butt away from there. And, by the way, that's a joke. Because if that thing erupts in our lifetime, New York City will have at least six to twelve inches of ash on a daily basis, son. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Man. for a while. Okay, let's. What a totally all the disaster stuff. And they're like, oh, we're gonna have ash, like as if like. Oh, well, I, my, my coat will be dirty. No, I'm sorry to tell you. Get a grip. You know? This is why we have to change this before it happens. This, I'm going to read that. This is why we have to take the same information. We're being scared and pooping in our pants. And we don't even do that because we don't even take it seriously. You know, but like, oh, my God. Whatever. No, funk that. Let's do something. Do Action. Oh, and by the way, I only say that I'm only marking because unlike what has been projected, pyramids work by accent. They do not just work by intention. They work by motion of energy. So if I want to, if I have an affirmation in my pyramid, and I want to have it to happen, then I have to get out there and make something Actually, action. Now, the pyramid is unique because it will say, well, wait a minute. Uh, that's a great idea, but have you considered this, this, and this? In other words, it will tell me, it, it will self-correct my action. And that's a wonderful thing. But I have to admit that I didn't know all the things I needed to do. 
<laughs> I remember and every Mount business, Helen. No, no, mm-hmm. no. Every business plan is built on that. It's not built on knowing exactly what to do. It's it's built on knowing how to put something out there and then react to it and shift. I'm done. No, that's excellent. Yeah, I remember the uh, I remember the ash from Mount St. Helens. I mean, man, yes. it was it was. Yeah, man, that was that was something right there. As a little child, I, I was I was blown. I didn't know, you know, what was going on. Of course, I couldn't grasp that in my mind. But I just remember that ash. I mean, we had ashes for months, man. I mean, it was covered everywhere. I said, man, <laughs> I asked my dad, right. man, how far? Yeah, how far is this volcano from us? He said, man, he said, e, I can't even, I can't even. Uh, I'll blow your mind if I tell you where Mount Saint well Mount Saint Helens is to where we compared to where we live. He said, "Remember, we went to Canada. That's how far it is." I said, "Man, that took days to get there." He said, "That's how far that ash come." I couldn't grasp that, man. That was that was incredible. That's right. Hey, so yeah, look, they, they talk uh, about yeah, they, they they talk about volcanoes that lowered the temperature of the earth by two degrees for a couple of years. Yo, son, you you know what it takes to do that? that that's some powerful dust. You know, that's that's a powerful amount of dust, is what I mean to say. You know, so you know, we we've got to have all kinds of contingencies. Um not in terms of blocking disasters, but I'm sorry, preventing them. <laughs> you know, we have that ability. We have that power. So you saying our heart's wind can cause a, a reverse effect on all the negative action that we're dealing with right now. The wind from our heart can reverse those things. Is that what you're implying? No, no, I'm in, I'm implicitly insisting on that. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. The work, not the thought, but the actual the work, the actual work. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Look, 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 you know, look, people have asked me forever, why are there so many bugs on Earth? And... I say to them, because the fluttering of their wings has a certain frequency, which not just communicates with the most high, but also energizes the very earth or structure they live in. And our heart is that fluttering, as we would say, energy that allows every cell to vibrate and contribute to the the constant creation of the earth. Whoa. To put it another way, to put it another way, only when we are vibrating at Earth speed do we not have wings. 
and antenna. <laughs> oh man! Wow! So that but so the the flight of the butterfly is oh. major. Oh yeah! Look, look. First of all, first of all, you know, we have to examine the name itself. When I was when I was a kid, and I would see flies, and and I turned my dad or my mom and said, "That makes sense. A fly flies." And then I see a grasshopper, and you know they they jump over the grass, and so I'm like, "That makes sense," and on and on. But then. They pointed to this thing and said, that's a butterfly. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Since when does butterfly? <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like a, a, a like a drunk five-year-old, it just didn't make sense to me. And so, and they didn't know the answer. And so they all, they did what all adults did. They pointed to the dictionary. And I went to the dictionary. And right there in the dictionary, it said that the name of this thing was a spoonerism. And I'm not going to even get into what that is, but it's where we it's where we reverse letters and things. And so the original name was Flutterby. Wow. Oh what <laughs> <laughs> and makes sense case closed. You know? And I studied what a flutter was. And I realized, like several thousand people have realized, that that fluttering, meaning that slightly off balance between the two wings, makes everything in the universe work. Wow. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. You know, hey, now, now when I see the movement of the butterfly... It tilts. Yes. It's not yes. a right. straight flight. Right. It's right. tilting. Right. That's oh, right. man. And they move in a zigzag. I mean, they could be in one motion. All the next thing you know, man, they go in the total opposite way. Just a one flutter. It's taking off in another angle. Amen, brother. Come on. Testify. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 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 wow. Okay, so this gonna this gonna take us straight into that spider. Let's talk about that quartz crystal spider, please. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold, hold on, just a minute. I gotta I gotta roll the last of my tobacco, but this gonna be this gonna be an intense rap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you know, 
No, it, it is not my time and it's not your time. As a matter of fact, we're going to quote from George Clinton again. In time, on time, for all time. Because <laughs> remember, time is an observational uh, aftermath of motion. Which is to say that when we're in that zero point, then we see all time. We know all possibilities. And we know what to choose. Okay, so Spider, Spider, let's go. Okay, Spider, <laughs> uh, has always been considered to be some kind of negative thing. You know, even in my youth, when they had, when they had, um, what's the name, uh, Dracula, and the early Dracula movies, Dracula was able to move through the spider web without disturbing the web, and and so that was more the power of Dracula than it was of the spider web, but as I got older. I started to like you know just you know just looking at these things. Water would be on the spider web, and water is heavy. And so I'm like, how is the spider web able to hold all this water, and yet doesn't dissolve? It doesn't melt. It doesn't break it up. It's like, you know, it still maintains its integrity. And so, over time, I started to realize that, in fact, from my scientific studies, that the strongest vegetable or plant thing was hemp. And the reason for hemp being the strongest was simply because its molecule stretched so long that when they make hemp, hemp isn't made per se. You know, they 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 grow it and you soak it in the water, and it comes off in these strips. And because the molecule is so long, even though microscopically it's short, but it's so long, it's the longest molecule of anything in nature. So therefore, we make those hemp ropes. Um, and, you know, from my era, when you know people had the, the, steam, the steamships and whatever, and they'd put those giant ropes over the, the dock and whatever, all that stuff was made from hemp. But the babbling point I'm making here is that just because the plant world, which is what we could exploit, was considered to be the greatest thing, there were other things in nature that that conducted electricity or whatever, or strength, or ductile, it's called ductility, you know, being able to manipulate stress the thing. Um, you're 
spider web was even greater, but we didn't know how to take advantage of that. Okay. Eventually, we figured out just like we have the silk farms, we're making, you know, taking the silkworm and stretching that out. They figured out how to stretch out the spider web. And lo and behold, what does that call, my brother, when they stretch out the spider web and they weave it into something? What's that called? It's something common to our culture. Silk. Okay, time's up. That's called Kevlon. Those bulletproof vests that mm. they have our law enforcement wearing, okay, is made of spider webbing. And I'm like, wait a minute. Spider webbing is even stronger than anything else in nature? And the answer was yes. It took me several years to uncover that. But I was like, wait, what? what's this stuff made of? <laughs> An intelligent question. And it took me several more decades to find that this spider web is a liquid form of quartz. It's what's called um, a, a liquid crystal. And, and people say, oh, well, that sounds so futuristic. I'm like, oh, your TV, I'm looking at your TV box. It says LCD, liquid crystal. <laughs> um, so I knew that time already knew about this stuff, and it was only greater revealed to me in terms of what the brother was talking about, that they found these species of spiders in Hawaii and they didn't exist anywhere between Hawaii and South America. So they were like, well, maybe they stowed away on the boat and they came ashore and whatever. But over time, and we're talking like 500 years, they discovered that in fact that was not how the spiders got there that they would form a form of parachute and lift up into the air and float over to Hawaii. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. They form a parachute? <laughs> and they know a specific time of year that the air gets hotter and they lift it off? But that was not, and here's, here's the big spank, my brother. That was not the answer. That's not what people thought until recently. Then they realized that, in fact, it's the electric energy of the air. It's the actual electrical current that's going below the equator. Because <laughs> above the equator, that electrical current is going counterclockwise. Below the equator, that electrical current is going clockwise. And so, therefore, the spiders, all they have to do is build that little parachute. And that electrical current will lift them up, and they will float thousands of feet above the ocean. And then when that electrical current 
or or magnetic electrical current um, registers itself as land, they know to be reduce a certain currency within the spider web and they will lower themselves down to the land. Now, here's the funky part. The funky part is is that at the same time that this one group of scientists were discovering that, this other group of scientists were discovering that the spider web itself is an extension of the spider's brain. That when it builds the spider web and a moth flies by, they know by the fluctuation of that moth wing what kind of moth it is. And if the moth is trapped in the spider web, remember I said it, that's a form of liquid crystal. When it gets caught in the spider web, the, the spider knows how to come to that insect and address it. So if it has a stinger, then it knows to address it from the back and, and wrap up the wings first. And then eventually wrap up the If it's a moth, it knows to address it from the front. And so the spider web is a form of intelligent gathering uh, it, it, it's it's a form of intelligence gathering. Wow, it's it's interesting. It's like a it's like a crystal does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's wow. liquid it's liquid it's liquid quartz. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh now, man. now, you know, I, I've met I've met many bad brothers in my life, but I'm like, can you emit from your body a liquid form of quartz that will literally be ten times stronger than any rope that's out here? And the answer is no, I can't. <laughs> so we're here to learn from the spider. Mm-hmm. And there are many cultures who have said that the universe, you know, is, is a giant spider web. If you, think even, if you think even about the constellations, that's a form of web. So it's because those stars are not parallel with each other. They're, they're millions of miles away from each other. You know, how did people figure that out? You know? And and, and I'll tell you right now, because they got bit by a spider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 wow, man. Boy, the things that we don't know. Oh, oh look. Look. And 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 then and look, I you know I I've taken more than enough drugs to realize that the spider web makes a sound. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so let, let let's just drop that right there. Let let's just deal with 
there are all these entities, there are all these creations what we call critters, you know, because, you know, back in the day when I, as I said, I always looked at the dictionary, and I looked at the word critter, it was like creation, you know, creature from creation. I'm like, no, they're not critters. <laughs> you know, if you want to call them critters, then we're critters too. You know, we're just bigger. And and then as I got as I got to be an adult, I realized, oh my God, there's a whole bunch of vegetable critters inside of us. You know, there's a whole bunch of bacterial critters inside of us. As a matter of fact, we're only you know, the human. What we call human is only, like, according to them, ten percent critters, and actually three percent critters. You know, so. We're not even the dominant. We're not, you know, like we talk about gentrification. <laughs> you know, all these other critters have moved in. You know, and, and I shouldn't say moved in. We've moved in. We've moved in. You know, so we have to respect all the all the beings and creations that we're living with, including the ones that are coming here. Because this whole idea that we're separated, meaning our atmosphere blocks us from us. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not all these people. We, we keep saying all these people, they're doing this and they're doing that. They're messing up the planet. No, we're a part of messing up the planet by killing bugs. Yes. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, look, look, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I... I one time I was talking with my my groups of students and they were complaining about bugs. I said, well, first of all, don't you realize that because of the frequency of their wings, meaning, you know, they're vibrating way better than we are, that's God's communication to us. You know, in other words, God hears us through the bugs. And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, what do you call a tracking device? It's funny when you talk about the, uh, the spiders, oh, Lester. Oh, Cause you think about like I'm around all these kids all the time because I got you know my daughter who's five and my other daughter who's one, and one thing I right. notice about these kids is that man the spider gets their attention <laughs> big time, and a, a lot of people a lot of people are scared of spiders like and there's no reason yeah. you know it's, they call it arachnophobia or whatever and but I see it right. like a lot of kids especially you know they they get freaked out about spiders and uh, they they recognize them as very powerful beings. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, once again, you know, if, if we look at the term, if we look at the, the term we give to all these different bugs, okay, I'm like, is there a mechanism with which the universe can hear us Then there's an insect? You know, like we have all these different sects, but mm. the bugs are not judging us, they're just transmitting exactly what we're saying. So, you know, and and 
Also, the insects will only show up when we're not I'm going to repeat that. The insects will only show up when there's a limitation, when we've depleted the land from certain elements. The insects are telling us what to do. So, you know, look, you know, we all have things that are giving us information. And what I was saying before about our our differentiation between the different kingdoms that exist inside the human body, even, you know, like, people know the concept of a gut reaction, but they don't, they don't think in terms of, well, there's a whole bacterial universe down there that knows what to do. It's another lie that we've been told that, you know, you know, well, every seven years, a whole new cell in our body. That's true. All that's true. But what is also true is that we have original heart cells, um, liver cells, skin cells from birth or even pre-birth. So, you know, you know, these... You know, the funk, the funk goes on. In other words, you know, you know, we're tapping into stuff that's ancient. I mean, ancient, ancient, pre-planetary ancient. But we don't give ourselves credit enough for that. You know, we're like, oh, no, I got to know what's happening on MTV or, or you know, uh, DMT. Not DMT, but I don't know what's happening currently. Man, this is incredible, Baba. Man, I love it. Man. Hey. Okay. That's okay, why so we're here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Baba, okay, let's, let's transition right into this. I'm very fortunate enough to live by where bats, I can see millions of bats pour out of this, uh, this, pr- this prison that was shut down years ago. And uh, they, they habitat in there. And you can smell that guano for blocks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I see these bats come out, they, they spread. They look unorganized at first. But then they group off yeah. into pairs. And as they yeah. group into pairs, you can see them making a DNA helix. They actually making a DNA spiral. Yes, oh my absolutely. God. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And and, and 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 do you know what that's called in in physics, or not not just physics, but in in science? That's called emergent behavior. Mm. And emergent behavior is this concept that, um, well, the way they the the easiest way to explain it is that. When a when a new queen is in a beehive, and she knows she has to leave, you know, because the, oh, you know, her mother, the old queen, is the dominant force there, and so they will send out different bees, which is called scouter bees, and they will go out and they will survey the land, 
and they'll come back and they'll each they'll each do this different dance describing the place they found. And, you know, some of the bees are like, oh, I like dance number one. And some of the bees are like, I, I like dance number two. But eventually, at a certain point, they all know wh- which one is the one. And that's called emergent behavior. And it's not about the fact that, you know, they voted on it or they politicized it. It's it, they're getting information from somewhere that tells them what's the best choice. And that's, that's what we have to be not in this, not just in this intellectual space, but we have to be in the point of emerging behavior where the right choice will come to us. And that's the Aquarian age. It's, it's exactly where we're at. So, I mean, we're also at that point because you know, we've been giving contradictory information all the time. That's a wonderful place to be at. I mean, it's a terrible place to be at in terms of if you're a logical person, but it's a wonderful place to be at in terms of, you know, not depending on what came before. I'm, or I shouldn't say, I don't mean it like just, you know, you know, ignoring what came before, but expanding to that beyond space. And so the emergent behavior, the thing you're describing, is exact that that's why we take these entheogenic substances. That's why we go through the experiences. So we we'll be ready for that emergent behavior of the new thing. Of the new. Mm, mm, mm. And I remember you right. described oh, to me there was a moth. Okay. You told no, me there was a moth. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. once Go again, ahead. the the moth, the moth. Let's let's break the moth down, okay? Uh, you know, it, 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 it's so interesting to me as a scientist how this stuff is presented, and so therefore, you know, they can say, well, you know, we're losing all the honeybees or we're losing, you know, what a percentage of the honeybees. And I'm like, yes, but the honeybees are only 10% of the bees that are out there in nature. And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, there's a whole bunch of bees. You know, there's the, you know, the carpenter bee, there's the, you know, the wasp, there's this, you know, whatever. But, okay, and once again, 10% of the honeybees do this pollination thing, you know, when we turn the page, it says that the moth does even more pollination. Why or how? Because the bee is limited by it going back to the hive versus the moth flies miles more than the bee because it's flying during the day and the night. So it's pollinating a whole bunch of things. And we've been destroying the moth with all this, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, fertil- uh, not fertilization, insecticide that they have, in, you know, in these lawns in you know, suburban areas and whatever. So what I'm saying is, is that first and foremost, we want the most cross-pollinization, 
And if that's our aim, then the B is never going to be the ultimate thing. We've got to also protect the moth. In order to protect the moth, we can't have all these chemicals because that's killing them. You know, um, you know, people from my generation have been talking recently online, but the fact that when we were young, we were kids and buck wild, could run out all day or in night, there were a whole bunch more lightning bugs than there are now. And that turns out to be statistically true. It's not just an anecdotal thing that we're wrong. No. There, there were more lightning bugs than there are now. And so we have to figure out what we're doing. What's our, what is our interaction? Not, you know, global warming or, or climate change. It's like, no, we're polluting shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Now, yeah, I remember you told me that. That's the positive aspect of this. You know, they've been talking recently on National Public Radio about the fact that we don't know that much about lightning bugs. And the reason we don't know that much about them is because they're not necessarily pests. But what, what we do know about them is that when they get into a certain density, meaning that no matter what your space is, your, your own backyard or you just have a big football field, when enough of them crowd together, they start to blink together. And it's like, what is that? So. Yeah, what a mystical mystical being. Uh, I remember that though, exactly. as, a, as a kid. I remember uh, there were more of them back, back in the day, like growing up. Right, and then right. we, we actually had a lot right. of them in this June. There's also a weather pattern that they seem to favor. You know, not. Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely weather dependent. Um, I'm thinking. I keep on going back to these the the insects, man. All you you <laughs> you've been dropping some knowledge on the insects tonight, man. We keep on we're, we're staying on this insect. Is there because I I'm thinking I keep on thinking about the and I'm watching these insects fly around too. And I see a couple on the wall right now. <laughs> um, but as they flutter their wings, right, they're creating this energy. All right, and yeah. I'm wondering i always feel this connection when i'm out in the forest and there's a a split rock and if you lay between in that in that split area the gap i always call it the gap there's a certain energy in that gap um i wonder if you can expound on on you know what that energy and that potential energy that exists you know between a split rock okay well, see, once again, your your rock, um, by definition, a rock is a whole bunch of elements that have not been organized. Because a crystal or a gemstone or whatever, you know, by definition, is that every atom is exactly the same length apart, and they're all organized. And so your rock, your rock is an organization of elements over time um, 
that's waiting to be organized. So they're in. So we would say a rock is in a holding pattern because it, it's waiting to be broken down. It's waiting. It's waiting for service. So um, when you have a rock that has a split or, or you know whatever, it means that the water is trying to break it down in order for it to be ready for service. So anytime you put yourself against that kind of rock, it's, it's saying it's exactly addressing that within your consciousness. Mm, that, that potential, I can see that. And, that uh, potential. Right, right. Waiting. In, so, and I can see that with like quartzite, that's a rock I, I see a lot. That's actually so quartzite is just that, right? Quartzite. Um, maybe, maybe you can talk more about quartzite, but and then within quartzite, you find a lot of quartz, of course, you know, because quartzite is like the rock version rock, of, of the crystal rock, quartz. We'll see, we'll see once again, you know, I what I what I also want to say is what I what I'm impelled to say is you have an upward movement and a downward movement. And what is meant by that, that, um, you know, rocks will become even more um, substantial or less substantial, meaning that a rock will either become more of itself or less of itself. You know, so it's just a stage. Because it wants to be organized. Everything wants to be organized um, and do service. Uh, and, and they all are. You know, a rock is just, it's just saying, I, can't, I, I can only do so much service because I'm not organized. Um, and I, I, I suggest that people find out how marble and granite are formed. Um, and limestone. Because they they serve great services over time, but they will eventually <clears throat> evolve to other things. Though mm-hmm. everything breaks down and evolves to other things. So, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is is that when we have a rock and we have a split in the rock, it's saying. Uh, it's reminding your body and your consciousness of, you know, allow certain things to drain from you. And at the same time, know that what's left is usable for the re- reestablishment of what the new thing is. You know, every, you know, things are, you know, things are not designed for the new or the old. They're just what they are. It's it's our it's our perception of it that makes it new. You know, I mean, you know, people in Japan are growing those trees and they're growing the you know they're growing the branches sideways and letting the stuff grow up. You know, this is all different ways of looking at how to do this stuff. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, let's take Machu Picchu. You know, when I look at the images they give us the Machu Picchu, they talk about how, you know, 
whoever worked there or lived there, that they grew these gardens on the side at the top of the mountain. And so you see the mountain and you see like, <clears throat> you know, you know, 50 feet down that is sculpted. But this thing is, this thing is like, you know, 3,000 feet tall. And when you look at the archaeological evidence, we realize that they grew stuff on the entire side of the mountain, all the way down. But no, it's not that simple. And no, our behind's not spanked by that. It's spanked by the fact that they took the shape of the mountain itself and realized that the clouds were coming past us. And therefore, as soon as the clouds went past the, the peak of the mountain, it would, it, you know, the difference in the mountain and the water would condense the water until it was liquid. And in that liquid, they designed a format that went down every 13 degrees all the way down the mountain so that it would conduct the water through and feed what it was growing on the side of that mountain. They had to make that channeling of the water canal before they even made you know the the the, the strips of the mountain that were um, uh, ready for for you know uh, growing food. This is this is superior thinking. <laughs> this is like this is like goddamn, and, and then you know. <laughs> And then you read that, oh, wow, there was only these high priests. Well, I'm like, no, they grew all this. Who, who are these other Negroes that they're growing this food for? Please. There's a bunch of folks that are out there. You know? So the evidence, once, once we hook into the bugs and the insects and the flowers and the microorganisms and all that other stuff, then we'll be able to see more clearly what other people were seeing and what they were trying to energize. And then, then we'll know what to energize now, not to copy them. Mm-hmm. Because some things will work eternally and some things, most things won't. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's, that's our job. <laughs> 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 and speaking of that, they left the, they left some graffiti up there. They left a spider, a hummingbird. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of which, excuse me, if you're gonna go there, then let's go there. That spider that is in the um, the Nazca mm-hmm. situation, Nazca lines. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. That spider doesn't exist in South America. It only. <laughs> I, I, I love this island. <laughs> <laughs> so where's that? Where's that spider from, Lester? Well, it's from Africa, but Ooh. you know, it, 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 we know one or two things. It either electronically flew there 
from yeah. Africa using the parachute, right. or people from people from South America went to Africa and you know learned about them. You know, but it's more likely that they flew there. It's, a, it's the same direction below the equator that the spiders from from the Pacific side of um, uh, South America flew to Hawaii. So it's more than it's more than likely that they flew from Africa to South America. Wow. Yeah, drop the mic. Oh yeah, I forgot to say. Yeah, we dropped the mic now. <laughs> now we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Wow! Yeah. And you know, uh, you got... yeah, come on, come on. You know, I mean, look, everybody. You know, back in my day, when people said you're bugging, people said I was a negative. I'm like, no, I'm bugging. Then let's <laughs> check out the insect tribe. Let's do this. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. I gotta give us this song, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question, and I've said this to you before, so it will it, it will sound familiar. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm gonna ask two questions. The you know when we see that image of the bee, you know whether it's a honeybee or a bumblebee or whatever, and it's got all this pollen on it, you know, it's flying back to the nest. It, it, and when I, you know, when I was sitting in, I, I didn't go to college. I went to college for one semester, but I was sitting in college with my friend. And, and, and someone asked the professor, what percentage of the pollen does the bee gather from the flower? So I'm going to ask you that question. What percentage of the pollen does the bee gather when it's going from flower to flower? Hmm. Wow. Well, it's never on there okay. too, too long. It's never there too long. Okay. No, no, but the professor said the bee gathers 10% of the pollen by going from flower to flower. So naturally, the only stupid-ass question we have to ask is, how does it gather the other 90% of the pollen? Mm. Okay. And And the answer is, the answer is, okay, the pollen has a positive electric charge. The hairs on the bee have a negative I oh, 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 I said electric. You know, the, the pollen is a positive ion charge. The hairs on the bee is a negative ion charge. So therefore, as the bee is flying through the air, it will attract the pollen to its hair. <laughs> and, and, and therefore, Negro, you don't have to do only 10% of the work because your charge is going to be in the 90% of the work. Oh, wow. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. As above, so below. Now, now, I should have two questions. So my, my second question is, when the bee takes the pollen back to the hive, what do they do with the pollen? And most people immediately blow it out. They make honey with it. I'm like, uh, you know, everybody's seen the, 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 the what do they call the family feud? Everybody's seen the family feud. And I'm like, survey says. <laughs> Yo, Lester, this is crazy that you're bringing this up because uh, I swear just last night my daughter was asking me uh, how do bees make honey? And I gave her kind of the, the textbook right. answer. So this is perfect, man. I went as f- about as far as you went right there. <laughs> so you got to elaborate because this is we need we need more information on this. Bro, because the bees make honey with nectar. With nectar from the plant, from the flower. They make the honey from the nectar. And that was what exploded my brain because all my life I'm like, well, they make they must make it from the pollen. I was like, no, they don't. So I'm like, okay, so what do they do with what the funk do they do with the pollen? And here's what they do: they get back to the hives. Now I already told you about the miracle of doing one tenth of the work and the rest gets done to them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But they get back to the hive, they're loaded with pollen, and they go in to where they have what is known as, excuse me, the bakery. And the and in the bakery, each little each little segment is a hexagram. And they load the pollen into the hexagram in each of these little hexagrams. And then they take one drop of honey and they drop it into each of these hexagrams. So they're loading the honey into this mound of pollen. And because they're fluttering their wings and also the shape of the of the hive is generating heat. It bakes the pollen and honey into what is known as bee bread. Mm, Wait a minute. Damn. Wait a minute. Hold on. What did I just say? They make bread. Get the ever-loving funkin' out of here. <laughs> and then and then the nurses come along and they what the what the bee bread is made, you know, they break it up and they feed it to the young bees. So the pollen is used as food for the young bees before they go out. Ah. Oh. I'm like, wait, uh, you know, hold on, on, bro, hold on. You know, I'm not even talking about you. I was like, what are you talking about, bee bread? (laughs) They're making, wait, they got factories? They got, they got, you know, they're making bread, you know, and then they're feeding it to the, you know, no, this is blew my mind. So, 
And like everything I've ever talked about, okay, your honey in nature, most of what is made is not for the tribe that makes it. I'm going to repeat that. You don't see that they make the honey and then they're all living off the honey. No, they don't. Maybe 10% of the honey is used for the, 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 the hive. The rest is for outside of the hive. And the sooner we learn that lesson, the sooner we will be free. Mm. Wow, it's for the sharing. They're sharing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's deep, man. It's like a golden mean ratio. They're sharing. It's a shared way. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. Anyway, I told you I, I got to go. I got to pee and I got to do other stuff. But I, I've been so engaged in this conversation. Uh, and, you know, I just know you're going to make it work. And uh, in, in the meantime, I'll be sharing more. Oh, check out the cicadas. That oh, I'm listening right to them right now. I'm listening to them yeah. right now. And the tree yeah. frogs. Yeah. It's cicada time, you know. And what we learned recently, I mean, by recently, I mean this year, you know, we, we, we've always known that there were 10-year cicadas, 13-year cicadas, and 17-year cicadas. That they're, you know, they, they get born, they go underground for 10 years and crawl around, 13 years and crawl around, 17 years and crawl I'm like, how do you bother? They're crawling around. Anyway, you know, they come out after that, that time period and they mate and die. They, what, what, they, they, they come out, you know, jam with their sound, mate and die. But just in this last year, the scientific community revealed to us that it's not as simple as that, that some of the 13-year cicadas will shift over to being 17-year cicadas, and some of the 17-year cicadas will shift to being 13-year cicadas. So there's, there's some frequency that they're paying attention to that, you know, we, the scientific community, have not figured out yet. But they have already figured it out. They know how to shift. Oh, man. So... Wow. So I'm just saying that, you know, it, it behooves us to pay attention to all the living beings, but particularly the insects. We've got to stop thinking of them as bugs and start thinking about they're, they're the insects. They're telling, us, they're telling us they have a responsibility, and, and, and you know, we have to, we have to obey. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, man. Thank you for the time you gave us, Baba. I mean, man, you gave us a lot to chew on. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you bugging. Hey, hey, Lester, you bugging, man. You bugging. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay up, buddy, son. And guess what? Guess what? You know what's so you know what's so wonderful about the cicada that it comes out of the ground after being there for ten years or thirteen years, seventy years. It doesn't immediately it doesn't immediately get its Mac on. No, it goes up to a tree and sheds its skin and becomes a whole other being. 
Man, so that's their shell they leaving behind. They leaving they leaving the old behind and going there, on to the new. There, there you go. There you go. So that's how we should be. You know, that's how we should be. It's like you know, it, you know. I mean, imagine, imagine you living on the subway for seventeen years. You're underground, <laughs> <laughs> and you ain't had no booty for seventeen years. Okay, okay. So naturally, if we were human, we'd get outside of the. We come out of the subway like the first thing we see, like yo, 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 mama. No, this is no. I can't do this. I gotta get. I gotta get my groove on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, boy, we're gonna have to play the Gap Band. You dropped a bomb on there me. <laughs> we even talked about the Gap. We even talked yeah, about the Gap tonight. So yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yes, sir. I just, I'm just, look, I'm just, I'm just glad to pass on my own complete enthusiasm for nature and just, just my, my observation of what's going on. I, I don't control this stuff. I don't make any money off of it. it it's not my money. It's like, it's wonder. It's the goddamn wonder. You know? And if, yeah. if, 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 if I can in any way tap into that, meaning contribute to that on the planetary world, then it's done. It's over. Game, set, match. <laughs> yeah, so, checkmate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Man. I, yeah, Lester, Lester Lover, man. Man, we give ow. thanks. Ow. Ow. Oh man! (laughs) As usual, Baba, you man. As usual, brother, man, stay like you are, man. We love who you are, Baba. We love it, man. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you immensely. Look, 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 look. On the most basic level, on the most basic level. I couldn't even arise above the surface of the of the earth if it wasn't for the wonderful female versions that were given to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's honoring the female African spirit. And and people are like, well, what about white people? You're, you're just late African, okay? So, look, look. <laughs> 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 That's what your own. That's what your own information tells you. Like, oh well, they came from Lucy from Africa, but suddenly, you know, like they went up there, you know, only fifty years ago. No, no. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you slice it, you know, um, evolution is way more complex. And and in, in other words. I, I don't accept that people went from Africa and went up to Europe and then suddenly boom. I'm like, no, every step of their way, they would have evolved. And they would have kingdoms and all kinds of evolutions and all kinds of revelations. So, look, forget this white, black crap, okay? Let's do it, you know, or, or to, put it to put it the way that I did many years ago. You know, I said to my buddy on the radio, I said, you know, I uh, said, so what do they call us here in America? You know, and he said, 
um, we're um, African-Americans. I'm like, well, you left off one of the A's. And he said, what do you mean? I said, we're Astro-African-Americans. We came from the stars and we're going back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, whether, whether, whether we're evolving from some microbe up to some beyond human thing, or whether we're, you know, evolving from some, you know, evolved from the bug up to the human and back down to the microbe. We don't know how this thing plays out, but we have to be in rhythm with it. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Absolutely. So, so, rhythm and rhyme, rhythm and rhyme. Rhythm and motherfucking rhyme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rhythm is the rhyme. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let let us get our funk on, bro, and 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 we, we will we will recon we can reconfigure at the next conjunction. Yes, we will. Yeah, we will absolutely. reconvene. Looking soon. forward to it. <laughs> Lester, oh, man, yeah, thank you. Too. <laughs> yeah, and backwards. <laughs> all right. Peace, love, and soul, right, my man. brother. All right, all yeah, right. Peace, peace, peace. peace brother. 44. Kirk yeah. out. Big up the one called Jerry Johnson here in the background. Classic imagination and family. I, I would say it's it's fair to say that our imagination has been stretched tonight, you know, and we give thanks to uh, Lester Lovin, Baba Lester Lovin, you know, a true legend in his own right. I want to give thanks also to Mr. Ross E., Eric L., you know, joining I and I on the interview. That was, that was a lot of fun tonight, family, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. I'm sure everyone did full enjoy all that science. And like I said, just stretching the imagination within the realms of science. Because truly, you know, when you study nature, you find out that there's so much more to learn. Every question you have, every answer you get, you find at least 10 more questions within that answer. And so I love that. I love the everlasting search, you know, the quest for knowledge, the quest for, you know, just finding out more and studying, learning more about ourselves, you know, as we learn more about the environment around us. So we give thanks. 
to Lester Loving once again for enlightening us all with that information. Family, this has been a special reasoning series on Jowworks Radio. If you got any comments, questions, or requests, you know, hit us up at jowworksradio at gmail.com. Once again, we are brought to the family this week by 44parallelsuperfoods.com and Chaga Mushroom Maca Root Powder. Enough said. If you, if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely check it out. We highly encourage everyone to get on the Chaga, especially in this time right now. I think the Chaga's key to I and I survival and I and I health and strength. But in the meantime, family, you know, it's truly been an honor to be with everybody this week going to be back next week you know real soon coming back with another musical blast and uh yeah spreading this musical healing message you know of love one love of course 44 love from the 44 parallel to the world i and i say love to the utmost so we got one more track special dedication from mr rossi stylistics taking us out you know for all the earth children out there the night children so yes, family, as the night has fallen for quite some time, we are well into the next day. It's I gotta lay it down, family. I gotta lay it down. You know, I got I got youths. So yeah, I got gonna be up just a few hours, you know, with my youth. So for all the children of the night, and I say bliss.
I'll search the darkness. I'll 